Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the sermon text for this evening is in on an insert, and it's from the Gospel of John. We did hear um, verses 1 to 4 and verse 14 on Christmas Eve, if you were here, when, during the candle lighting. But there's a few more verses here, um, and this is going to be our, not just our candle lighting text for Silent Night, but our sermon text. Let's, um, let's read this now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You have my word. It's easy to become skeptical when someone says that to us, when they give us their word. How come? Because we live in a world of broken promises and empty vows, right? Pledges are made only to be forgotten. Assurances are given, then ignored. Words can be spoken with great fanfare. I'll always love you. We're BFFL. You know what that means? Best Friends for life. B, we're BFFL. That's how we say it. Say thumbs. Uh, you can count on me. Till death do us part. But words can be autumn leaves in November's wind. That's why we're a bit skeptical when somebody says, you have my word. It's different, though, when God speaks. You know the opening verses of the Bible, of the whole Bible, they sound a little bit like the reading we had just had from John. That's intentional on the part of the biblical authors. But the, the Bible opens up like this in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That takes us up to verse 2. And then what does God do? God speaks. He speaks. Let there be light, says in verse 3. Let there be light, and there was light. When God speaks his word, it's not mere talking about something. It does what he says. It's different with God. He does what he says. What a powerful word. Consider these verses that extol the power of God's word. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah 55, 11, God says, My word will not return to me empty. The most powerful force in the world is what? God's word. And do you know what God gives us? Exactly that, his word. We have his word. 
God's word called Abraham from Ur in the land of the Chaldeans. God's word promised this Abraham a child, even though his wife Sarah was way, way, way past menopause. And they had a baby. Isaac was his name. God's word spoke to Moses from a burning bush, gave bread in the wilderness. Where are you going to get bread in the wilderness? God can do it. He speaks and bread is provided, also quail. God's word thundered from Sinai and spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. God's word even made dry bones come to life, standing on their feet a vast army. Now let me say a little bit more about that one. That word was a visionary word from God spoken to the prophet Ezekiel, describing how the Jewish nation, which at that moment, when it was spoken to Ezekiel, the Jewish nation was a conquered, smashed, deported en masse to Babylon, their king dead. But God's word to Ezekiel said that they would impossibly return 70 years later and be a nation again. The dry, dead bones would live again, God said. God said it, and that settled it. And you know what faith does? Faith takes God at his word. Takes him at his word. And those who believe, do you know what they discover? It is impossible for God to lie. And this is the God who gives his word. God's word is more than an element of speech, more than an ink mark or a sound or an idea. The all-powerful, creative word that said, let there be light, and stars and suns began burning, that word became flesh-like and laid in the manger. You say, what? Yeah, that's what God, that's what, pardon me, that's what John writes in this evening's gospel lesson. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Now John could have written the word became a body or the word became a man. He might have said the word became a person. This would have been accurate. The word became a human being. All accurate. It's not what he wrote though. John writes the word became flesh. In the first century, which is when John wrote all this down, in the intellectual milieu of the first century, when the term flesh was connected to the idea of a god, sophisticated Greeks and Romans recoiled. You just, those things just don't go together. They can't go together. Flesh, to them, was doomed to be destroyed. What mattered the most to them was our spirit. The only thing that mattered, the spirit. Flesh was worth nothing. No god in his right mind would ever deal with anything as degrading as flesh. Uh, despite what the Greeks and Romans thought, it's exactly what God did. The Word, the Son of God, God the Son, became flesh. We have God's Word. I mean, now we have God's Word in the flesh, dwell, dwelling among us, so that everything that the Word become flesh does, everything Jesus does, 
everything he says and doesn't say, every movement he makes, everywhere he goes and doesn't go, it's all revelation from God. It's, it's God's word. He's, it's just happening in the flesh. It's astonishing. We have God's word in a super-duper extraordinary way. The word who became flesh is no ordinary baby cradled in Mary's arms. No, this, this person, we meet him as an infant in the manger. But this same person was one who saw the first ever sunlight at creation. How many billions of years previous was that? He, he was there. He heard the first crash of a wave when God gathered the seawaters together to form the oceans. He was there. We read, the word was with God and the word was God. John 1 verse 1. Did you catch that? The word was God. The same God who said, let there be light became flesh in the body of a Jewish peasant girl named Mary. Wow. Mary and Joseph had no savings account or connections with the right kinds of people. Jesus, the maker of the universe, the one who spoke the whole universe into existence, was born into a family too poor to secure a bed for a pregnant mother. There was no room for them in the inn. You may remember from Luke. So marvel, marvel and look. There in Bethlehem, in poverty, there the word became flesh. The word, though, didn't change into flesh. The word didn't morph into flesh. The word didn't transition into flesh. That is not what John writes. If the word changed, morphed, or transitioned into flesh, he'd no longer be God. But remaining what he was, Christ Jesus became what we are. Remaining what he was, God, Remaining still God, Christ became what we are, flesh. He's God and flesh at the same, God and man at the same time. And John drives this point home. God became flesh. When he writes about Jesus on trial, later in the gospel, before Pontius Pilate, Pilate has Jesus' flesh torn, you know, lashed, ripped open, then dressed in purple and crowned with thorns. He then brings Jesus out before the crowd and says, Behold the man. Here is the man. Flesh and blood. A beaten body. And this is God we're talking about. The God who is dismissed, demeaned, and left for dead. But not for long. Isaiah says that God's word endures forever. And that it accomplishes that for which God sends it. God's word, therefore, defeats the darkness. God's word defeats death. John outruns Peter to the tomb on Easter morning. He looks in that empty tomb and he believes. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus, outside the tomb, Jesus says, Mary. And Mary Magdalene cries out, Rabboni. The Emmaus disciples recognize the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. And when he sees the Savior's flesh marked with scars, Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. Sin, 
is forgiven. The grave is defeated. Death is dead. The word accomplishes that for which God sends it. Hallelujah. We're saved. You know, funeral eulogies often include phrases like, she'll always live in my heart. Or, I'll remember him forever. You know, the, the disciples didn't say that. The disciples never said anything like that. That's because they saw Jesus in the flesh. Flesh marked with nail scars. You can still see the holes in the scars. We have God's living word. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 summarizes what we have. Let me quote it here. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. What is your darkness tonight? A missed opportunity? A flunked exam? An unwanted diagnosis? Did your marriage go south? Did your spouse die? Did your business go under? Did you make a bad decision? What is the darkness that won't go away? What have you done that makes you feel damned forever by the darkness? Jesus is the solution to every kind of darkness. Every kind. I'll say that again. Jesus Christ is the solution for every kind of darkness. In John 8 verse 12, the Savior says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8 12 includes one of the most wonderful pronouns in the Bible. What pronoun am I talking about? Whoever. Who, who, who isn't a whoever? And when we feel as though God's light isn't for us, somehow we're ruled out, I don't know. Whenever we feel that way, we have God's word. For whoever, it says. Whoever. You smell a beautiful fragrance coming from your kitchen. It's your favorite Christmas pie. Let's say it's lemon meringue. Yet you've learned to hold your fork until the cook gives you the green light, right? Licking your lips, you say, so who's that for? Who's that for? Now the cook just might break your heart and say, it's for someone at church, don't touch it. Or it's for a friend, stay away. Or the cook just might say, it's for whoever. And since you qualify as a whoever, you dig in, yeah, lemon meringue. Whoever's are welcome. Who all, whoever also means whenever. Whenever. It's never too late to live in the light of God's love. Whoever also means however. However broken you are. However messed up you are. God loves you. Whoever also means wherever. Wherever you are. In a pit. In a hole. In a bind. In a pinch. Wherever you are, you're not too far from God's marvelous light. We lose so much, don't we? We lose jobs and opportunities. We lose friendship and love. We lose health and hopes and dreams. We lose so much in this world. 
but we will never, ever lose our place on God's whoever list. I am the light of the world, said Jesus. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What's it all mean? No shame is too deep. No hour is too late. No place is too far away. However, whenever, wherever, whoever, and that includes us forever, let there be light. And there was light. The light that shone out from the manger shines on us. We have God's word. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year to you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting. Amen.